Good morning. So what color was the balloon? Oh, I heard a purple. I knew there would be one of you out there. <laughs> Always somebody thinks that. Today we're going to talk a little bit about truth, but we want to, what's our series been this, this past few weeks? Anybody tell me? Blind spots. And one of the things I wanted you to think about today is we've got to guard against those blind spots. You know, it's something that Christians must make a lifetime habit uh, because you never know what something is going to blindside you. Would you agree with that? Let's have a video right quick to, to illustrate this point. Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, oh, go, her, go. Oh. How many remember that? <laughs> Butch is so happy with that, you can tell. Oh. Oh, let's watch it again. Ha! Oh, let's see it again. <laughs> Get through the end zone before you start prancing around. <laughs> I'm not going to prance, okay? But hey, that is. Did he see that defensive player coming? No, why, why didn't he? He wasn't paying attention. He wasn't being vigilant. He wasn't looking. He was just going to, he was already basking in the glory of finishing, wasn't he? He was already, I've got it. I'm getting ready to celebrate. This is going to be fantastic. Kaboom! Away he goes. But there's more to that story as an illustrative point than just that play. What happened for the rest of the game? Anybody remember? He didn't play. Now, afterwards, it was said he was hurt. Nobody knows. All we know today is from that point forward, his career at that university was basically over. He played some more. He's not there. He's left the team. Not only that, his life is in such a shambles. His mother was arrested for assault during one of the football games because she got engaged in some kind of altercation with one of the other fans. And I know several of you, had you been there, would have probably done the same. But, but seriously, here's this guy. Oh, Mark's got a, oh, we got a Kidmo dismissal. I don't have a note for that. Kidmo kids. Both of you. Three of you. Some of them are already over there. We have a lot more kids than that. Some of them slipped in early. Thank you for the reminder. David, you've got your own Kidmo kid and didn't remind me. What's, what's up with that? <laughs> But Jalen Hurd's life has been turned upside down from that moment on. He was blindsided. I'm sure he figured he was going to finish out his collegiate career there, go on to the pros, do this. His entire life has changed, and it hinged on that one instant. Now, was that the whole story? No, there were already things going on within the team. There were already problems. There were things happening. But he had no idea when he was playing against Georgia, the moments before that happened, that he would not end up playing the rest of his career at the University of Tennessee. That's how blindsided works. That's what happens to us. And I like this verse from 2 Timothy. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Fighting the good fight and finishing the race. That's where Jalen Hurd messed up. He didn't finish the race. He stopped and started prancing and I've got it made. I've done it. I've arrived. None of this is going to affect me. And he got popped before he finished the race. 
didn't finish the race in that game, didn't finish the race at the university. Who knows? That may have cost him points in his career even. He may or may not go on to play professional football, which would be a shame. He's a talented young man, but he didn't finish the race. That's one of the things I want you to look back on as we look at these various elements of truth and things that we've been talking about, the things we've been talking about that are blind spots for us in the past month. Those things, guys, you've got to be vigilant against them for the rest of your life. It's not just you came in here on one Sunday and we learned about giving or we learned about truth or whatever topic you know, really affected you. That one Sunday is not enough to carry you the rest of your life. And we're going to talk about some things that will help carry you through that. But you've got to be able to discern that you have blind spots. One of the things when we came up with this, this sermon series, one of the things that I was thinking about when we were formulating this and things, you know, I always like to bring it back to cars. How many guys like cars and girls? We've got some in here. Yeah, yeah, well, we've got a good crowd of car, car lovers in here. Well, one of my cars especially my black Nissan, has a horrible blind spot in it. You go to switch lanes, you had better be looking because the, the back window sits about like this. It doesn't, you know, it's not really straight up, no, it sits about like that. And you look over here and all you see is a pillar. You look over here and all you see is a headrest. Well, if you're going to switch lanes, you better be looking and know what's happening because you have a blind spot. And that's what I was thinking of in this is how quickly, you know, things can come up in your blind spot. You, know, you won't even know they're there. You'll be driving down the road and then come up on slow traffic and think, I'm going to switch lanes. All of a sudden, there's something right here that you didn't see that's going to get you. And that's kind of what the theme of this series has been, is, is those things that are going to reach out and get you. And one of the things that I have found in our lives as Christians, and, it's, and we're going to have some good illustrations of this today, and I hope it becomes an encouragement for you in a lot of ways, is what is the truth? It's what that opening video was about. Truth has become very relative in our society today, even among churches. Uh, a lot of us call it moral relativism. It depends on what situation we're in as to what the truth really is. So what is it? That, that's first of all, I think we need to define what truth is. If we're going to start talking about this, let's, let's determine that first off. What is truth? goes back to the word true. True means in accordance with fact or reality. Okay? In accordance with fact or reality. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't accept your reality as a joke? I've heard that. I don't accept your reality. That doesn't apply to me. Well, yeah, it does, because reality is reality, and facts are facts. And the problem is, we've begun to drift away from that. Our society has totally drifted away from that. You can, you can be whatever you want to be now. Um, you can define truth as loosely as you want to and how it applies to your life. But if we don't have a reliable standard to compare against the truth, it can become relative to the situation at hand. And that's where we face danger. I want to know, you know do you think there are black and white and absolutes in the world? Let me think that. I do. I believe there are black and whites and absolutes. If you don't, let's go. I, I'm on cars this morning. That's, I'm going to go buy me a, a new car. I'm going to go buy me, let's see, what would I, if I could get anything. Hmm. I don't know what it would be pretty satisfied with what I have. Let's go get a new Z06 Corvette. We're going to go out. I've got a connection out to Chevrolet dealer. A friend of mine is friends with their, their manager out there. I'm going to go get me a new Z06 Corvette. And I've got my stack of money with me, okay? I'm going to, man, that's an expensive car. That's a lot of stack of money. Here you go. He gets my money and he looks at it and says, well, sir, th th these aren't real. Well, what do you mean? 
He said, well, this, this isn't real money. Well, no, this is real to me. You know, it's close enough, right? How many of you have ever been able to take cash anywhere and pay for something that was close enough? Your cash was close enough to being right. Is anybody going to take that from you? No. When you go in and sign a contract at a bank, is there fine print that you had better read on your loan? Is that an absolute? Do they come back and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I realize you didn't read that. Read that. We'll waive the 21% interest in your, your case because we just like you. No, there are absolutes in our world. There are things that are true and factual. You can't pay for things with counterfeit money. It's not close enough. It has to be the real thing. It has to be real. I remember Karen talking about this. She used to work at a bank. And one of the things, how did they train you to recognize fake money? They showed you real money, didn't they? That you looked at the real thing and you compared. That was the standard. You had a standard of measure that you could tell, okay, real money versus fake money. You took that as the truth. So where can we find truth as people? It's a difficult thing. You obviously can't look in society because you'll get some yahoo that thinks the balloon's purple, right? Or the balloon doesn't exist in my reality. So what do you do there? Where do you go to find, find the truth? Well, here's what 2 Timothy says. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Let's read that again. That's good. All scripture, uh, the Greek word for all means all, okay? That means every bit of it. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. See, not only is this true, but it's to make us reflect and realize the things that we're doing that don't measure up to the truth. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. The truth is a teaching mechanism. That verse is full of good stuff. So how many believe the Bible to be true? I do. I think we should follow it. For example, the Ten Commandments. Do you think those are a good idea? Amen. Anything there you think we should violate? Well, I got bad news for you guys. Today is not the Sabbath. Yesterday was. It says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You remember that verse? That means we were supposed to worship on Saturday, doesn't it? Uh-oh. So does that mean the Bible's not true? No, but it means I have to examine everything in scriptures in context. There are, there are promises and things that were made to the children of Israel for a point in time. There's a new covenant made through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have to look at. And we have to take scripture and examine it as a whole to realize these things. We celebrate because the disciples who were with Jesus celebrated the first day of the week as his resurrection day. That's when they celebrated and met together and worshiped and talked about Jesus and what he had done. And we follow that tradition. It's nothing more. It's not that we're saying the Bible's not true or anything. We just follow that tradition. So we have to be very careful with scripture in determining what's true. But we'll never be able to determine truth by picking and choosing Bible verses that we feel fit our situation. An understanding of the truth comes from reading, studying, and applying what the Bible says as a whole. And that's what I'm talking about there. You can't pick and choose verses. Anybody ever been, Josh isn't in here, I was going to ask because I know he's done this. How many of you ever had a bit of a Bible or a religious debate about people at work or people around you? Ever had that? Yeah, there's, there's several of you have engaged, that maybe at school, some of you students have engaged in those type talks. And, you know, well, what does this verse mean? What does this do? You know, I, I've, I've laughed. There's a lot of people have read the Bible just to be able to learn how to argue better at work. 
It's the truth. Josh raises his hand. (laughs) But it did educate you. But you can't just pick and choose things out of it. You've got to have an understanding of a whole of what Scripture means and what the Holy Spirit teaches us through those Scriptures. It said just a minute ago that all this is good for teaching and correction and to tell us what is right from wrong. But you've got to examine it. And now this next verse is not in, in your notes. But if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 7, we're going to do some, we're going to do some truth busting today from Matthew chapter 7 is one of the places, and I want you to think about this. How many of you have heard that Christians should not judge anyone? You, have you all heard that? Judge not. It, it should be, you know, I always think of, you know, why is that so focused on, you know, it's like you take the tune of the old MC Hammer song and say, can't judge that. Everything, can't judge that, can't judge that, da, 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 can't judge that. And that's the way it works. You can't judge that. We're told we cannot judge. You can't judge others. Christians can't do that. But I want you to carefully look at the rest of this scripture. Look at what this says in Matthew says. It says, do not judge others, right? And it just stops right there. Oh, wait, there's, there's a comma there. And you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. Hmm. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite? Oh, well, we'll stop right there. How many of you have heard, you can't judge anybody because you've got a log in your eye and you can't be judging them for the speck in theirs? You've heard that said, right? That is absolutely not what this verse says. Let's look at it carefully. Let's look at this last place where it says hypocrite. It says, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Recognize the sins. Recognize the things in your life that are going on. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Does it say to ignore the speck in your friend's eye? No, it does not. And that's where we fail as Christians is we have adopted the philosophy of the world. I'm okay, you're okay, I can't judge you, you can't judge me, and everything's cool no matter what you do. And Scripture does not say that. Scripture does not say that we're free to do whatever we want. There are matters of truth that we're going to talk about. I mean, that, that frustrates me that you can't even speak as truth. You're, you're being bigoted, you're being racist, you're being this, you're being that. When you speak of truth, you're being political. You're, you know what? Truth encompasses all those areas of our life. If we're Christians, it doesn't matter where it's at. The truth is the truth, no matter who you're talking to and what you're talking about. And it's not judging to bring out the truth. Now, why don't people like this? Well, people don't always respond truthfully because the truth can interfere with our personal goals. Oh, that's a bad one. Let's go back to the car examples. Anybody ever sell a used car? (laughs) How truthful are you when you sell a used car? Okay, well, I'm selling this for my grandmother, and she only drove it to church on Sunday, which in my case could be very true. She also ran over the curb at the church and hung the car up. She hit the drive through pillar at the drive through bank. She, the car had an on-off switch for it. It didn't have an exception. It had a bam, and big cloud of black smoke comes out of it. But it was true. My grandmother only drove it to church on Sunday. So I didn't exactly not tell the truth, did I? See, those are the things that we get into situations of sometimes my personal goal of selling that car might override telling the complete truth that she had absolutely abused that car worse than a teenage boy. 
I mean, that, that was just the way she drove. Her driving instructor taught her, you know, when you get out and merge into traffic, you have to hit it. She never learned that you could modulate the accelerator in that process. <laughs> she thought it was wide open or nothing, and you hit it. And she did. She hit it. Like I said, she hit the church. She hit the, the drive through at the bank. She hit several things. So, but, you know, sometimes the truth interferes with our personal goals. And I love this. Here's an example where Jesus engages some religious leaders. And they don't really have the truth in mind. Let's look at this from Matthew 21. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching. Well, you've got to know that's bad. When you're up here doing this and somebody comes up to you and says something, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And Jesus answers them. Jesus loves to answer with a question, by the way. I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you about what authority I do these things. So Jesus is saying, okay, you feel free to come up here and ask me a question. But I've got one for you that you have to answer first. Hmm, okay, well, let's see what Jesus asks them. This is the baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it, the religious leaders discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why did you not believe him? If we say from man, and, are, and we're afraid of the crowd, for they hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. How many of you ask your kids that one? Who started it? We don't know. I don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by whose authority I do these things. Jesus was a bit of a trickster. You know, he had a, there was a bit of satire in that you could kind of feel. He kind of had a biting way of teaching sometimes to get their attention. He knew that they were more worried about their own skin and their own political future within the church than what the truth was. They knew the truth. They knew that John was a messenger. They knew that John the Baptist was, was a herald that came before the birth of Jesus and came talking about talking and preaching and teaching about Jesus' birth. And he was an anointed man of God. But they didn't want to admit that. They didn't want to admit those things because, hey, this kind of reflects on us. And he said some, he said some pretty harsh things to us as, as the religious leaders too. You know, ah, we, don't want, we don't want to believe all that. So we just won't answer the question. They totally avoided what the truth was in order to protect themselves. Now, do you believe people watch us when we answer questions? How many believe that? How many people watch the debates, the political debate? A lot of people watch that. Why did you watch? You wanted to see what their answer were to questions, didn't you? You wanted to see what, what they thought, what they felt, what they believed, what they held dear. And so you watch those things. Well, people watch what we Christians say. Do you believe that? If you say you're a Christian, you might as well walk out into the street with a target on your back that says, I'm a Christian, ask me a question about my life. That's tough, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, I'm not perfect. I don't want people to know everything, every fault, every flaw I might have. I'm not perfect. But yet they're watching us. The world is watching us. That's one of the reasons that we're here is to be a witness for, for God, be a witness for his son Jesus. And we're here and people are listening to what we say. They watch what we do. They watch, God, dare I say this? They watch your Facebook page. Uh-oh, now that's meddling, isn't it? They're watching my Facebook page? Oh, you better believe it. If you're friends with somebody, 
They watch your Facebook page. They watch what you say about others. They watch about how you engage in debate. So certainly they do that. And the reason I mention this is look at what James 3, verses 8 through 10 says. It says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. What that's telling us is to be a witness in our society, to be the ambassadors for Christ that we should be, to teach others the way, the truth, the life, those things, we're being watched. And if people see out of our mouth, and this isn't talking about letting a naughty word slip when you're, you're working on something around the house and you hit your thumb with a hammer. It's not talking about that. It's talking about your attitude towards those around you that are different than you. That's what this verse is talking about. It's talking about cursing those that are made in God's image. Now, this is something we need to discuss. Who's made in God's image? It's kind of like the question that the, the young leader asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus' roundabout explanation was, everyone's your neighbor. In that case, who was made in the image of God? Everyone. Whether we agree with their political views, their religious views, their views on taxes, their views on immigration, whatever it is, those people were all made in the image of God. And what does, it, what does God think about those people? He loves them because they were made in His likeness. So, what do you think it looks like to those, especially outside the church, when they see us as Christians cursing or deriding these people that were made in God's likeness? What do you think people think about us? What's the number one word that usually comes up concerning the church? Hypocrite. Well, do they have a point? Sure they do. If our lives are not consistent day in, day out with what Jesus Christ has shown us, we are being hypocritical. We're changing the truth and altering it and wiggling it around to fit our needs. Christians harm the church when they allow their worldview to distort this truth. What happens is people start looking at us for answers. They may not know much about the Bible. They may not know much about Christianity. They may not totally understand denominations and different world religions, but they will know one thing. They will know that Christians are supposed to represent the best of the best. They will know that. They will know that's what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to behave. And they will, they will look at our lives and grade us against that. And when we start varying from that, they're smart enough to know just right off. If you say this kind of thing about somebody else that the Bible says is made in the likeness of God, you're not acting like Jesus, right? Is that pretty easy to see when people are... are trying to carry out their own methods, doing things for their own good, not doing good for the church, not doing things to make Jesus famous in the community, but they're doing things for themselves. Look at this def definition of hypocrisy. It's the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. So what that's saying is, we're saying this is the truth. It's kind of like mom and dad. Don't do what I uh, say. How is it? It goes... Don't do what I do, do what I say type thing in parenting. You know, I know I mess up, but you do right. And that's what they see us as saying. They see us as saying, this is the way we're supposed to act. This is the things. This is the absolute truth of the matter. And this is how you should live your life based on the truth. Okay? What happens is, as Christians, we begin to lose the ability to talk about truth in the world. 
Look at Romans chapter 12. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. There were a lot of things, and I've talked about this before, that in the Old Testament, those things that we see where they made sacrifices of animals and they had these dietary laws and customs and they had some religious ceremonies, and things that we as a church don't observe since, since, since Jesus came. But in those days, in the Old Testament, God had a lot of those rituals and customs and things for his people for one reason, to set them apart and let the rest of the world at that day and time know that they were a different people. They had different priorities. They had different things that they should learn. They had different things that they should be teaching. They had a different outlook on life that was based on a loving creator. That's the reason those things were different. And that's the way we're supposed to be. We shouldn't look like the rest of the world, should we? How are you going to know if you're a Christian? They look by our acts, not by what we say, not by whether your, your car's in the parking lot at church on Sunday morning, but they look at how you react to your coworkers and debates and things you may speak with with them on Monday morning. That's where we as Christians get to be a witness is not here by coming to church. Yeah, that's great, and that is a witness to some extent that, hey, you did make the effort. You thought that Jesus is important enough this morning that you should come and learn more about him. That's great. <coughs> but if that's all people see of your life, you're really losing a lot of opportunity to have an impact on them. Let's get down to some specifics. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's some specific things we can do. It says, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to kick anyone or trick anyone or kick anyone for that matter. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. That's a pretty bold command. It says we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. Everybody agree we should be honest as Christians? I think that's one of the things that we should be known for. If I'm in a business deal or something and you're a Christian, I should have more comfort with that than any other business dealing I make in the world because I know you're a person of your word and that you rely on Jesus Christ and that is your witness is your actions in life. That's how we know you're a Christian is by your behavior. You honor your word. You tell the truth. You speak the truth. Now, coming out of a the most horrible period I've ever lived through is this past election. A lot of you have suffered through that. Did you like it? No. Universally, no matter which side of the debate you were on, you hated this election season. You know why I think so many Christians hated it? Because none of it was based on truth. How much of it, how many times did you see, even during the debates, they would flash up the next day, well, this candidate said, oh, 17% of what they were said was true. And the opponents, uh, they're, oh, they got up to 20% of truth. Do you think God honors that when we do that? No. That's being dishonest. That's manipulating facts. That's taking our own agenda and trying to, I think that's the reason our country, even our congregation, there's something we have not been able to explain in churches as leaders. Is sometime around August, everybody, at least in this area, felt the same thing. Just an oppression, just a, 
don't feel good about anything. People weren't responding to church. They weren't responding to messages. Nothing, just, it just seemed so stagnant. And I think it had something to do with the Holy Spirit nudging us as a people. You need to be telling the truth and standing up for Jesus and not worrying about what's going on around you so much. And it's been very evident to that. We've had people in here, and Mark and I were talking about, Mark, Richard, and Wendy and I, we had lunch together Friday talking about our Christmas series. But we were talking about the diversity of this congregation, and we love that. We have people from all walks of life. We have people of different colors. We have people of different backgrounds. We have people that understand each other and love each other despite their differences. That's a very different thing than we have in our political arena today. No matter who you voted for, would you agree that we're still a nation divided right now? We are. There are people that are upset. There are people that are, that are happy that their side won. There are people that are very disappointed that their side lost. And we as Christians should be the truth bearers in this entire situation and look at any side, whether it's a conservative, a liberal, an independent, whoever the candidate is, whoever the person is speaking, and we should be able to speak the truth about things. We did not do that to a great extent, in my opinion. We let a lot of things slide from a lot of people, and I think we suffered some consequences from this. I, I kind of think it was a bit of a test from God to see how his people would react when given the opportunity. Do you remember back in the Bible, one of the things when the children of Israel, the nation wanted a king? Do you remember that story? And God warns them and says, you know, I'm your king, but I understand. If you want an earthly king, here are the things he's going to bring you, and you're not going to like any of them in the long run, but I'll let you have one if that's what you want. That's very much the way God still operates today. Our elections and things are not some great decree of God that he has blessed this nation on our decision. No, because two-thirds of our people in our nation didn't even vote, for, just for starters. So we've got this, this thing out here that we're struggling with. You know, is Where does God fit in all this? God fits above all of it, folks. That's the problem, is we let... We drug God down into our mess, and we tried to use him. And I think that's part of the reason that we were so disgusted with the, the election process and things. We were expecting, you know, this, this great candidate to come forth that Christians all love. There wasn't anybody that all of us loved, even all the way down into the bottom of the independent tickets. There wasn't anybody we loved. There wasn't anybody that looked like Jesus running for office. Pretty high standard, too, isn't it, to look like Jesus? But here's my number one fault and where I have felt so badly about what Christians have done you know, during this, this cycle of things is we saw people on both sides, per, per, they were presumed to be Christians, they said they were Christians, they didn't act like Christians, and we didn't say a word about it. That's condemning to us as a people, as a church. We had the opportunity over and over to say, you know, we're, we're very proud on our Facebook pages of shouting out who our candidate was. We were very timid about shouting out the flaws in our candidate that we didn't agree with. For what? For fear of losing political power. That was it. This is a tough thing to accept. But I can freely say this now because if I had said this before the election, undoubtedly somebody would said, well, you're for so-and-so and you're just trying to influence my decision. Well, that's over with, folks. And now I can tell you the truth without even being having to face that. I know there are people in here that voted for Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, 
Gary Johnson. I think some people voted for the Green Party. There were others that on down the ticket, independence people voted in our own congregation. So we're not in agreement with who should lead, but Jesus should be our leader, okay? That's where we should be looking today. That's where the absolute truth is in Scripture. And it condemns us as a people, and this is what, what Scripture says. Look at Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We as Christians have done this lately. I've seen it on both sides, again, of the parties. We will not acknowledge things that are wrong that are said. One of the ones I think that upset me more than anything, and I don't know why it did, was, well, what Donald Trump said was just locker room talk. Okay. Anybody in here, can you argue the fact that, and I'm not going to refer to it because I'm too embarrassed, I can't even say it in front of a mixed crowd up here, what was, what, that he said in his own words, we heard the tape of it, there was nothing fishy there, nothing he said, she said. Whether you agree with him as a candidate or not, you should have been able to say, that's unacceptable for a Christian, and I don't condone that kind of talk. Everybody agree with that? Is that okay to say that here this morning, that Jesus would not be pleased? Would you say that? If Jesus was in the room, would you say that? <laughs> no, that wouldn't happen. But we were too timid to say what the truth was. We wouldn't say, that's unacceptable. Men? What if one of your boys came in and said that and you overheard him? What would happen? Would you say anything about it or would you just say, oh, that's just locker room talk. It's okay. He's just a boy. He's just a boy being a boy. Especially not if he's a Christian boy and says he wants to follow Jesus. We would say lovingly, this is not what you say. This is not truth. The truth is you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Jesus. And you have to be on the side of truth. You can't say good is evil and evil is good. You have to draw the line somewhere, folks. We have to somewhere say there is an absolute truth. The red balloon is, is red. Jesus says you can't talk like that. Listen to this from Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Amen? We are a people that are supposed to be set apart based on the truth. We should be saying things that are fragrant, offering and a sacrifice to God but all these things that we get into sometimes and politics is a big problem in our nation right now because we all went to the lowest depths at times of where this national discussion took us instead of trying to stay above the fray and say well I'm for what Jesus would be for there's things that I think Jesus is against that I can prove scripturally you know but we didn't do that we were so afraid that our side would lose. And this is true on both sides. This is, not, this is true of, of Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Nobody wanted to really be real truthful about what was going on because it might damage your candidate. Just like I said earlier, sometimes telling the truth is not good for your own personal gain, is it? Sometimes you have to admit things that are unpleasant and say, yes, I do. And that, again, the reason I didn't want to bring any of this out before election time, we talked about it a little bit back then. I don't want to be accused of trying to influence your vote or anything. I don't care who you vote for as long as you stand for the truth. And you will be a Christian and you will stand up and you'll take the heat when somebody says something that claims they're a Christian 
and doesn't carry it out. Now, we've talked a lot about this, and I want, to, I want to share this with you, too, because I think this is important. Donald Trump has taken a lot of heat because he says he's a Christian, correct? Or at least people say he does. You don't hear it a lot out of him. He just says the evangelicals love me. But there, there are things in his life that we are supposed to be assuming he's a Christian. So we say, oh, he's a Christian, he's forgiven. Do you know what? His opposition, Hillary Clinton, has the same testimony. She says she's a Christian. You can go and look. She spoke at a Methodist church recently. She gave a very good description of her conversion and what she believed and how important she thought it was to follow Jesus and how you should take care of those around you that are less fortunate things. She gave a very eloquent speech. Honestly, I wouldn't agree with everything she says. I wouldn't agree with everything Mr. Trump says. But here, we started to polarize the two. One's the Christian candidate and one is not. Well, they were both Christians in their own words. I can't say what their relationship with the Father is. I can say, based on Scripture, what Scripture says is true. When they say something that conflicts with Scripture, we should all have the freedom to say that. That's not judging anyone. You know, the Bible tells us to do that. Those that are Christians, we are supposed to judge those within the church. We're supposed to say when we see things that are out of place. Do you know why? Because it kills our testimony in the world when we don't do that, when we let things go. But again, that was a problem on all sides. We were, we were not living up to those standards. But listen to this quote from Francis Schaeffer. It says, Today, not only in philosophy, but in politics, government, and individual morality, our generation sees solutions in terms of synthesis and not absolutes. When this happens, truth, as people have always thought of truth, has died. I'm afraid that in this, the, these past few days that the church, Christians, through this election process, I'm afraid that, that Christians have lost a lot more than what they thought they gained. They lost so much through their inability to speak up for truth for fear of political backlash. And you, know, you could say if you said anything about one candidate or the other, well, they're better than the other. We're in, you're endorsing them to win. And I got so sick of that. You couldn't speak any kind of truth because you were seeing it was politicized. Truth is not political. Truth is apolitical. Truth is truth based on what Scripture tells us truth is. You know, and we have to live by that. So we have now come to a very divided point in our nation, in our societies, in our communities. We have children. Listen to this. We have children who have taken that up in their own schools, in elementary schools. Have you seen that in the news? Children have reflected the views of their parents. Some children are telling children that are minorities or are immigrants that you're going to get shipped back now, you and your family. Wow, what a testimony we've had on our children, huh? That now they, they're behaving like that. You know, that, that's the sad thing about all this. All these people that we're talking about are created in God's image. White people, black people, Hispanic people, Muslims, lesbian, gay, whatever you want to describe a people group as, we're all created in God's likeness, and he loves each and every one of them, and we're required to love them. Now, they may do things that we don't agree with based on the truth of Scripture. That's fine, but we're still to love them as Christ loves the church, as Christ loves us, and we're not doing that. You can see it. I watched the news this morning. They rarely ever turn on Sunday. Well, normally in Formula One racing time, so I watch that instead of any of the political shows. It's a whole lot better for me. I like that a lot more, and it's political in itself. But you start watching the news of the day. Do you know what the news of the day is? There's a segment of people in the United States 
they are genuinely fearful and upset because they feel that they will no longer be recognized and be basically subhumans. And that applies to a lot of the minorities and people I just mentioned. They're hurting today. They feel like they were on the losing end of something. They feel hopeless. They feel their voice will no longer be heard. They feel that there's nothing in this world for them. And now when they look to Christians, so many of them got involved in the political process, they can't even look to us as Christians because they look at it and say, well, you supported this candidate that said this about me and my people. It is, it is damning on us as Christians when that happens. And we've got to somehow today, from this day forward, start trying to mend those things, regardless of politics or what could be said. And based on the truth of Scripture that God loves those people, we have got to to mend fences, so to speak. We've got to reach out to people that don't look like us. We've got to reach out to people that may not have the exact same set of values as us, and we've got to come to an understanding that we love them as Christians. And I don't think people are feeling that today. You know, we, and some, we've had some, some intense conversations about that, even within our own church, with people that believe differently. Like I said, this is a diverse congregation. But, you know, I have people, I have friends. One of my friends at work has... Hispanic folks in her family. One of them is indeed an illegal, undocumented, undocumented immigrant. He came here 15 years ago. Okay, he's raised his family here. His family has never known any different. His children went to sleep crying on election night because they were afraid Daddy was going to be taken away from them. We can't endorse that as Christians, folks. That's not politics. That's compassion. There are things, and yes, there should be rules. There should be laws. There should be penalties. But have you noticed as Christians, we really like laws and rules till they apply to us, don't we? Those rules are great. That law's great. That is fantastic. The Bible says, I shouldn't live with that person but not be married to. Well, that doesn't really apply in today's time. It's what we do. Those rules don't apply to us as Christians. We don't like rules when it applies to us. Yet we want to apply rules to the entire world that looks different to us. And what I want to say about all this, I want to leave us in something hopeful. Because this is heavy stuff. This is hard stuff. But sometimes we have to talk about hard stuff because the truth isn't always pleasant, is it? Is the truth always pleasant? No. Sometimes the truth really hurts us. The truth is something we need to hear that we don't want to hear. But what I want you to know is God knows that. He knows what we're struggling with today. He knows that he has set out a prescribed course for us that is very difficult to follow. He knows that we're struggling with this today. He knows whether we're young, old, college student, retired person, whoever we may be, white, black, whatever. God knows that we're struggling with things today, and he fixed it for us. Look at John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If we will look to him in these times, instead of trying to look onto ourselves, instead of trying to formulate rules and, and politics and laws and processes and things, what if we look upon Christ at this time and ask, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? Listen to what it says in John eight thirty two. It says, and you will know the truth and it'll set you free. I think one of the things, that cloud that I've described, it, you just can't even put into words what it is, but you just feel something's not right. Something's not right in the churches. Something's not right in society. Something's not right in, inside you. I think what that is is we need to turn back and know that if we will tell the truth, it will set us free. It will help us. It will help us to relate with those around us. And what I want us to do from this day forward is 
Just don't look at this election as a, as a mandate of this side or that or whatever. We know the country's still divided. We know this and that. Let's look at this as a mandate on Christians to, for lack of a better word for you ladies, man up and be Christians. Let's act like Jesus would have us act. When people look at us, let's, let's try and look like Jesus would. Let's try and be understanding. Let's try and have empathy for those that aren't like us. Even if they have violated the law at some point in their lives. We've all violated God's law and he still loves us, doesn't he? What if God treated us like we treat each other? Well, we'd be in a sad state of affairs, wouldn't we? If, if God treated us when we have some kind of indiscretion and do something wrong, like we want to treat those around us, it's called grace. It's why Jesus came, was to offer that grace through his shed blood that we could be free. The truth would set us free. And this morning, I want you to think about that, to meditate on that. When you see all this, because this political controversy, unfortunately, just because the election came and went, it's not going to go away. It's going to continue to boil over. We're going to have problems. We're going to have things that go on. But instead of taking these political stances, let's take Jesus' stance and try and look at people that are different from us and show them that Jesus loves them still. Okay? Can everybody agree to do that? Can you agree as a Christian that when somebody disagrees with you over your political stance or whatever, that you, have en- you can show them enough grace that they'll know they love you? Can you do that? Raise your hand if you're willing to commit to that this morning. Commit to the fact that somebody that's different than you may have an opposing opinion, either side, that you will be gracious enough to show them grace and let them know that Jesus loves them. Let's say this. I want everybody to repeat this after me. Jesus loves you. Jesus, look at somebody beside you and say, Jesus loves you. All right? Was that so hard? Did that hurt? Was it awful? God, you told me Jesus loved me. I'm so, I'm so offended by that. No, that's what our world needs to hear is that Jesus loves them. There is a truth here. There are things that we should, we should point out, when, especially when Christians aren't acting that way. But do it in a kind, loving manner. You know, Jesus didn't berate people. The only people that Jesus really got, really got, for lack of a better term, he got red with them. He was a redneck. And you know who he got red with? It was religious leaders. He didn't like the way that they were representing him and the things they were doing to the people around. It wasn't the, it wasn't the common sinner on the street, for lack of a better word, that he was, he was going. It was, he was so upset at people that were claiming to follow him that weren't. And that's what we need to do as a people is we need to be seen as followers of Jesus Christ, not as Democrats, Republicans, independents, any of that stuff. We need to be seen as somebody that follows Jesus. And we're going to be talking so much about Jesus during this next month. It's going to be fantastic. You know, Christmas is a lighthearted time of year for a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. We, we feel good. It brings back good memories for a lot of us. I know everybody doesn't have a great experience around the Christmas holidays, and we deal with that as well. But it is a time when goodwill to men is one of the things we talk about. And that's something we should focus on is why that's possible is because of Jesus coming to us, coming as a little baby. And we're going to talk a lot about Jesus' role in society and his role in our lives. And I want you to remember, this is tough stuff that we talked about this morning, but Jesus is who makes it all possible for us to live up to those expectations. Don't think it's all on you. Don't think I can't do that. You can't do that. I can't do it. None of us can without the help of Jesus, without his leading and guiding us to be better people. Guys, let's just close in prayer. Let's, let's pray that as our prayer this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for, for allowing me to speak this morning, God. I especially thank you that
that God, we as a people should, should be able to stand on the truth of your word and what it says, God. And the only way we can do that is to, to study and learn and listen to teaching, God. Because, God, it just, we can't pick verse by verse, Lord. We, we have to, to know what your word says, and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to, to, to prompt our hearts, God. And I pray that, that during this time when so many people are so upset about an election in our nation, Lord, and so many things have been said that can't be unsaid, God, but we know your grace will allow a lot of things to happen, God. And we pray, first of all, for forgiveness if we've done something to dishonor you. God, we just, we just pray for your guidance as we go forward that, that everyone will know how much we love them, God, whether we agree with them or not. There are things that are of eternal importance, God, and I just pray this morning that as such a diverse group, God, we have the opportunity to witness to almost every people group in our city, God, and I just pray that we'll go out and do that, that they'll know that these folks, they'll know by our, our works and our fruit that we truly are Christians and we care about them, even if they may look different than us, God. I just pray that this morning, that, that we, will, we will analyze our ba- lives based on the truth of what Scripture says, and we'll make sure, God, and, and try and preserve the best reputation we can and make you famous in our communities, God. Make the name of Jesus known everywhere that we go, Lord. And put aside our pettiness and our politics and, and our things that are, are for self-gain today, Lord. And as we enter into this Christmas season, God, it's a very special time, Lord, that, that we, we try and place extra focus that should be in our hearts every day, God. But it's a time of year to reflect and think about what you've done for us. And there is hope for, for us as a society, God. And we can change that this moment in this time as we depart this afternoon, God. We can go out of here with, with the knowledge that you love us, you love our neighbors, God, and, and it's okay that you're in control. And we want everyone to feel that, God. And we want everyone in our community to feel your love, God. And I just pray that you'll make us effective witnesses for you, God. And if there's some here, Lord, that maybe don't follow you yet, Lord, that they'll, they'll begin to ask those questions in their own life. Who am I following? And what is life all about, God? And they'll come to know you as Savior, God. And we just pray all these things in your precious name. Amen.